grand fanfare welcome to our podcast, Keeping Up With The Windsors, dedicated to the royal family. Each episode will be crowned to the rafters with opinions, news and commentary on the comings and goings of the family of Windsor. With your hosts and royal fangirls, Rachel Andrews and Michelle Thole. So grab yourself a cuppa, straighten up your tiara, shine your knighthood, round up your corgis and let's keep up with the Windsors. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Keeping Up With The Windsors. My name is Michelle. And I'm Rachel. And I'm super excited to chat all things the French state visit, Rach. This week we've got so much coming up. So much coming up. But first, Shell, we wanted to read out some lovely reviews that we've had recently. So thank you to everyone that has left a review wherever you get your podcast. It really helps as we always say, boost us in the algorithm so more people get to know about our podcast. And the first one we wanted to read out was from JGS Pettit. I'm really sorry if I pronounced that incorrectly. And they said, such a gift to royal fans. Five stars. Yay! Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is for royal fans because it's made by two royal fans, as we are. I always love hearing their recaps of the week's royal news and engagements. Listening each week feels like sitting down with friends and chatting all things royal. I appreciate that they focus on some of the lesser known working royals and the work they are doing too. Michelle and Rachel have such great chemistry and complement each other so well. Thank you so much for that lovely comment. Yeah, thank you for taking the time to write a review for us. I wanted to bring one up, Rach, that was written for you from Mel K64. And she said, Rachel, you did such a great job telling Marie Antoinette's story. Some of it's pretty shocking. Anyway, I really enjoyed it. And Keeping Up With The Windsors is my favourite podcast about the royal family. Always fair, never partial. Michelle and Rachel are a couple of friends now. At least they feel like my friends in an easygoing, fun, informative podcast. You are our friend, Mel. You are. Um, <laughs> you are, Mel. <laughs> and then Mel said, not enough stars. How about 50? Uh, with a winky face and an American flag, which we're all here for. Thank you so much for that lovely review on that excellent job that Rachel did putting Marie Antoinette's episodes together. And we've also had a review from Ginger VHC, and they said... Cheers from Indiana, USA. Hello, Indiana. (laughs) Not a state I've been to yet, but it might be on the list. (laughs) Love the pod and my Friday walk is always brightened by your content. Can't wait to take my first trip to the UK next June. You will prep me well. Oh, well, we're so happy that you're coming to the UK in June. Let us know what you plan on doing. Don't forget, you can always message us, DM us on Instagram, keeping up the Windsor's pod or email us, keeping up the Windsor's pod at gmail.com because we love giving recommendations. So if you guys ever want to know royal places to visit or things that you must see when you're in the UK, then always let us know because we're more than happy to help. Absolutely. Again, thank you so much for reviewing the podcast. It means so much to us. And also a big thank you to our Kofi supporters and our VIP Royal Community members out there. But because without you and your support, we couldn't do what we do. So thank you so much for that. Let's head straight into the Royal Roundup, Rach, because got a royal hobnob engagement which i'm super excited to talk about <laughs> let's do it all right let's start off the princess royal officially opened the port of aberdeen's new harbour it is now scotland's largest port with the new hub generating tourism and trade in the area and also carried out an investiture at windsor castle this week as well 
we had to fish for this bit of information, Rach. What is going on with the socials right now? It's like, come on. Oh my goodness. Don't even get me started. There's more of that to come, Shell. Yeah. <laughs> this, we'll, this, we'll... Might be a bit, this might be a bit of a moany podcast, more community. <laughs> get ready. We got a gripe. We got a gripe. Now let's move on to someone that we don't talk about a lot, but we love talking about him. It's the Duke of Kent. Yeah, He made the socials. Yay! Oh my gosh. Can you remember I said when I went on holiday, I was going to uh, listen to the Duke of Kent's book? Yeah. I haven't done that yet. It's still on the list. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the next one on my list. I'm so sorry. The band of the Scots Guards celebrated the Duke of Kent for many decades as Colonel. He became Colonel in 1974. Can you believe that? 1974. That's service for you. That's service. That's dedication. He presented awards and met World War II veterans from the regiment. So it was just really nice to see that he had an actual main post on the Royal Social Show. I really enjoyed seeing him. 100% agree. And did you see him this week at the unveiling of the portrait of Queen Elizabeth II? No, I'd miss that. Oh, honestly, I'll see if I can get a picture for you. It was absolutely adorable. I think we might have seen this portrait of... It looks familiar to me. I think it's the one we saw when we went to the Lanesborough Hotel, Rach. Oh, it might, I love it might that be, portrait. It might not be. I can't remember. Yeah. But that was wonderful. And we have an upcoming video going up on YouTube about Rach and I going to the National Portrait Gallery, where we see many pictures of many royals <laughs> on our visit. But this one... I think would probably be up there with one of my favourites. Let's move on. Shell, we've got another state visit coming up. Bring it on. We need all the state visits. So it's been announced that there will be a state visit of the President of the Republic of Korea in November. Fingers crossed for community for some tiaras. But as we always say, we're not getting our hopes up because our hopes have been dashed in the past and I can't handle it anymore. I know. <laughs> I know. Let's just assume nothing's happening. And then if something does happen, we'll have a proper celebration. <laughs> yeah. It was interesting when I was reading about this state visit is that when the king was the Prince of Wales, he actually went to Korea. So we might hear the king speaking some Korean, which I'm very intrigued to hear. Well, you never know. Can you remember when the president of South Africa came last year and he did a little bit of South African dialect, didn't he? Which was yeah. incredible. And, it, and and they were so surprised. That's what I love about these, the unexpected like moments of connection. Let's move on then. The Duke of Edinburgh has been in Istanbul in Turkey this week. Edward visited schools connected to the Duke of Edinburgh International Awards, where we saw him play in some table tennis with students. Rach, he isn't the only royal we've seen playing table tennis, and that's coming up a little bit later. (laughs) Hold on, royal community. He also held a reception at the British Consulate General for young people who have achieved the gold standard in the award and saw the beautiful Basilica Sistine. I didn't know anything about this engagement in Istanbul until it popped up on Twitter. Why, oh why, did we not know this? But I think we need to talk about Sophie before we then get to our little bit of moaning, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the Duchess of Edinburgh attended the state funeral of former Italian president Giorgio Napolitano. What Michelle and I want to discuss for all community, and we've said it so many times, and one of our followers actually sent this, an interesting thread on Twitter. I mean, it's called X, isn't it now? But everyone still calls it Twitter. (laughs) Always Twitter to me. (laughs) Yeah. So someone, a royal follower, said to the royal rotor, and she actually tagged some of the royal reporters, 
asking why they had not gone with Edward to Turkey or Sophie to Rome or covered any of the engagements from the Princess Royal this week. And we had Victoria Ward, who is one of the royal reporters, replied, and she said, there is no system in place for the media to follow those royals as much as we'd like to, and their engagements are rarely announced in advance. And then Matt Wilkinson, who writes for The Sun, added, if the palace asked us to go or gave notice and provided access to cover the Princess Royal or Duke and Duchess of Edinburgh, then we might, but they don't. And believe me, we have had these conversations. Now, Shell, there's you and I and the rest of the royal community always saying, constantly saying that these royals and their engagements need to be covered, right? If the media are prepared to, why is the institution not allowing them to? It's like, in a way, these royal family members are being blacklisted. Yeah, they've been shadow banned by their own institution. (laughs) It harks back to a Harry and Meghan conversation, doesn't it? Because when we've seen their Netflix or anything we talk about with Harry and Meghan, they always mention that the houses are pitted against each other. We watched the BBC documentary, The Princes in the Press. That always spoke about the different parts of the institution in war with each other. But actually, I think because the king and queen have had such a big rapture support applause in in France, obviously, beer with us, royal community, we get into that in the royal news. I feel like maybe what the institution has decided is to just dampen down everything. Don't talk about anybody else and let them rise to the top. But actually, that's not what we want. There's equal place for everybody. It doesn't have to be, and I'm going to say what Megan said, you don't have to hate her and like me. You don't have to like her and hate me. And it's the same with the rest of the royal family. We follow the royal family. We don't necessarily follow just William or just Catherine or just the king and the queen. We as royal fans, we want an eclectic mix of engagements and be able to choose. To be honest, we would devour all of it because that's what we do but you see we'd like the choice and this is where we have said time and time again if they're not going to cover them they give them their own social media where they can actually be able to let the public know what they're doing with our public money i think it also feeds back to that it doesn't have to be about elevating certain members of the family let them all shine i don't understand this whole i know rachel what we're going to say is the wasp the fly and the bee right (laughs) this is what annoys me about the institution I'm so interested in the Duke of Edinburgh I'm so interested in the Princess Royal I'm so interested in even people like the Gloucesters why are they pushed down to the bottom we want to know it all yeah and that's the thing I was going to say a Buckingham Palace concern that the work of say for instance the King and Queen is going to be overshadowed that's one of the points but then on the other hand if you look at the Royal Diary their engagements are put on their way in advance than say William and Catherine's the King and the Queen's obviously due to security reasons but so is the Royal Rota using that as an excuse that's another thing that you've got to look at and we said it time and time again they work in conjunction with each other the press and the institution so if one's not pulling their way or helping the other out then it's not going to benefit anybody is it and that also garners the question as well we've spoken a lot about especially in the last three months if Beatrice should become a working royal say for instance she did shell what would be the point if none of her engagements were getting covered because then again that's just another person that the taxpayers are paying for and it's like well if her engagements aren't even getting covered if she's not getting press coverage of the work that she's doing what's the point of her becoming a working royal 
Yeah, exactly, Rach. And I agree with you in the sense that is this an excuse for the Royal Rota? But I also do see what the Royal Rota means. They want to really publicize the royals that, that bring the money. You know, they mm-hmm. are a business after all. If they have a choice between, I don't know, Catherine maybe versus the Princess Royal, I mean, I know who I would choose, but <laughs> they would choose Catherine because she is on the front paper. She sells papers, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. Same with the kids. If you see anything with the kids, they're on the front page straight away. Also, it doesn't mean that there needs to be like a complete blacklisting of the other royals. We want to see them. And a lot of the royal rota were in France with the king and the queen. So maybe it was because of their schedules, particularly with Edward's visit to Turkey, that they conflicted. So it was like, well, state visit is seen as more important and needs more press attention than what Edward's visit does. Yeah, and this is why I believe... The Duke and Duchess of Edinburgh in particular need their own social media because they can then champion themselves without having to use the Royal Rota. And they've got a social media team behind them. Let's put it that way. They just need somebody to go around and do their videos and their photos and sort it all out when they come back. They basically need to hire Rochelle, don't they? They do. We would do it. The Royal Institution, get in touch with us. The, the what's the fly and the bee? Just send us a message. We'll be there. I feel like singing a song. I will be there. Yes, I will. You got a social media manager. <laughs> so, Royal Community, that's our gripe for the week. Yes, we sorry, moaning. Sorry. Yeah. Whatever you're doing, walking the dog or out there shopping or mowing the grass or whatever you're doing out there, we're sorry we're having bringing a little bit of a moan. Yeah. Let's lighten the mood, shall we? We we didn't want to end the the royal rounds up on that negative note. But <laughs> it is one of those things that it just gets our backs up. But also, before we move on to the Royal News Show, I quickly wanted to mention a TikTok that I saw Ooh. of the King in Scotland. Have you yes. seen this? I love this so much. I was talking about this to a colleague in work. Absolutely amazing. Talk to us about it, Rachel. What happens? There were some bikers that had their, what they called their headgear on. So was, they were filming. And I don't know, I think maybe they have a YouTube or... I'm yeah, they do. Sure. They, they have a YouTube channel where they right. go biking around. Um, I don't know. The, they were in the Highlands, basically. Royal yeah. So then who do they bump in on <laughs> when he's on his general walk? The king. The king wearing fingerless woolen gloves. I was and like, yes, representing. The king was by himself. He didn't have any security with him. He was yeah. totally by himself. And you could tell that one of the guys wasn't particularly phase that it was the king but, but then he even said at the end he was like oh actually that was quite cool like, I wasn't was expecting cool. him to be such an, a nice man like he was actually yeah. a really nice man because he actually stopped and made a point of having a conversation with them and I don't yeah. think he knew that he was being filmed because they obviously just had their cameras on their um, helmets didn't they yeah so I thought it was wonderful it was such a lovely moment that regardless of when he's off duty slash on duty can you ever be off duty as a king but he's still just the same he still wants to chat to people and welcome them to the highlands and i'm I'm, i don't know this i'm guessing they were on his lands but in scotland you could just roam anywhere can't you so Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where maybe we could bump into the king if we weren't up there rage well he was even they were even having a discussion weren't they about um one of the houses and he said oh i've not stayed in there he said oh the younger ones that's where i leave them to that yeah. <laughs> but yeah it was just so nice to see him in that sort of moment where it was just completely off guard I think what you find with that sort of interaction is that there isn't a fakeness 
No, because not. he didn't know he was being filmed. That was him being himself. Yeah, and just what a lovely man he is. And I think yeah. anyone that meets the king thinks exactly the same. Royal community, you've known this from the start. If you've been a long time listener, the king has never been my favorite royal member of the family. But when we met him in May during an engagement in Milton Keynes, that completely switched around. I had so much respect for him being in his presence, not just as king. I think even if I met him as Prince Charles, I would feel very differently. I do now actually feel very differently about him than I did before because his persona and the tabloids make him out to be a certain thing. But actually, in his presence, there's a calmness about him. There's a real, like, stability and wisdom and a gentleness. You're 100% right, Rach. And that really comes across. But you have to be in his presence in order to feel that. Because I'd say most of the time that doesn't really come across on videos because you're still thinking about the persona of who he is. Mm -hmm. When you meet him in real life, you feel very differently. Just wanted to add that in, Royal Community. Let us know over on Instagram if you've seen that TikTok. Let's move on to the Royal News for this week, where it's a very exciting time in Paris. Rachel, a couple of weeks ago, we did a massive Marie Antoinette special, part one and part two. So I think it's only fitting that you chat about the king and queen in France for their state visit. So tell the royal community everything. What's gone on? So the state visit was supposed to be in March 2023, but it was rescheduled due to strikes and protests. Do you remember this show back? Oh yeah, way back. We were then. surprised, wasn't we? Because we were ready we were for it surprised. to go. Mm. Yeah. So it's nice that it's actually happened and that the King and Queen made their trip. The King's Deputy Private Secretary, Chris Fitzgerald, said the state visit will celebrate Britain's relationship with France, marking our shared histories, culture and values. And we can actually say, Royal Community, that it did. It did, didn't it? (laughs) So on day one, the King, who on his 35th official visit to France and the Queen's state visit started off in spectacular fashion with a fly pass from Patrouille de France. <laughs> Butchering the French language there. Yeah, raw community, just bear with <laughs> us. Where the skies were filled with red, white and blue, the colours of the flag of the UK and France. What a lovely welcome. It really was. The King alongside President Emmanuel Macron went to the Arc de Triomphe where His Majesty symbolically lit the eternal flame, which burns in memory of those who lost their lives during the First and Second World Wars. He laid a wreath as well, didn't they? Did he bequeath a wreath? <laughs> yes, they did. They did. Just going back to the entrance, Rach, Queen Camilla had a bit of an issue with her dress, didn't she? Walking down the, the aeroplane steps, lover. I was like, oh, it's a bit windy today. <laughs> <laughs> Although she did look sensational in that pink. Oh, absolutely sensational. We could chat about her fashion in a moment because it was a whole thing, wasn't it? Yeah. The Arc de Triomphe moment, the logistics to corner off the Arc de Triomphe is a huge thing, isn't it, Rach? This Mm -hmm. state visit wasn't a small affair. This is on a huge scale. And it really surprised me, actually, how big this state visit was and how much it encompassed the big kind of moments that you think of when you think of France. This is so amazing that the king was there to pop down the wreath and obviously it's an eternal flame but it was symbolically lit by the king Mm. i just thought it was such a beautiful moment i was surprised at how many engagements that the macrons accompanied the king and the queen on i just thought they would be there for the bigger occasions like the state banquet they actually spent a lot of time with them didn't they 
I felt the exact same way, actually, Rach. That was such a lovely thing for them to do, to welcome them to yeah. the country. Let's talk about the event we was all looking forward to. Oh, Royal Community, hold on to your hats. We've got the Palace of Versailles. The State Banquet at Versailles, which did not disappoint, although a lot of royal fans wanted to see tiaras. Who could complain when the setting was as magnificent as this, right? I've never been to the Palace of Versailles, but I want to go like yesterday now after seeing <laughs> that. Because you kept saying to me, Rachel, it's huge. And even in the episodes with Marie Antoinette, I was like, how big is this hall? Of-? And you were like, it's massive. Yeah. And now I understand. I get it. Wow. I know, obviously, I completely respect the independence of France, but could you imagine if they had a royal family? Oh. That palace is incredible. Incredible. Talking of our royal family, Queen Camilla dazzled wearing the King George VI sapphire and diamond necklace, earrings and bracelet. And her look was a navy dress and cape, which was designed by French designer Dior. All right. Royal community, here we go. (laughs) Here we go. Um, Firstly, Queen Camilla, knock out. Wow. Her makeup, her hair, her dress was spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. One of her best looks is what I'm Mm going to say. But I let out a boo when I saw the picture. Why do you think I let out a boo, Rach? Well, community, why do you think I booed when I saw Queen Camilla? Because she was wearing the King George VI sapphire and diamond necklace again. And earrings (laughs) again. And bracelet again. Don't get me wrong. It's a stunning piece of jewellery. It's incredible. But we know the amount of jewellery that is available to them. I personally want to see something different. And I was just booing the jewellery. But it's amazing. It looked amazing all together. But come on. I'm just bored of that now. I didn't really think too much about the jewellery, to be honest. I loved the actual dress itself and the silhouette on her, especially when she moved. She had this real elegance about her which I don't think sometimes comes across when you see her in photos and in videos. But I just thought this whole ensemble looked lovely on her and the colour really suited her as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it was designed by Dior, as we said, a French designer, I think that really said something. And this isn't the first time that Camilla's worn Dior. It it just really suited her. And I think she did really stand out. I love the fact that Madame Macron and the Queen wore that midnight navy blue you you think oh you should never wear the same color as the queen actually they looked unified and were in this together and also blue are in each other's flags so it made sense and i think the occasion was just amazing omg the pictures inside the hall of mirrors that banquet i would have given my left arm to (laughs) get in there and have a a vol of honor wherever they were eating i was even drooling over the baguette there was a picture of the baguette and i was like look at that baguette i want it and we've and we have it on good authority that the meal was very nice right (laughs) well before we talk about this banquet we have to talk about the chapel royale that they saw before they went into the hall of mirrors So if you've ever been to Versailles, you actually go past the Chapel Royale on the way to the Hall of Mirrors. And if you listen to our Marie Antoinette episodes, you'll know that this is where Marie Antoinette and Louis XVI had their official wedding ceremony. So this was just amazing to see a photo of them standing in it because it's absolutely spectacular in real life. It's like your two worlds collided, wasn't it? (laughs) 
And then they go into the Hall of Mirrors, which I can't even describe this. It's not even a room. Like, it's this long corridor. Yeah. And it's just spectacular. When you go in it, you're packed in like a little sardine when you visit because there's so many people that want to see this one space, right? Seeing it for its actual purpose, what it was built for, it was built as an entertainment venue. This is where Louis XIV, who originally built the Hall of Mirrors, he wanted it to be like a vocal point for everyone in Europe to be talking about it. And hundreds of years later, we're still talking about it. We're still talking about it. Yeah. It's just incredible. The Hall of Mirrors dazzled as a backdrop for the banquet where the king gave a speech in French where he joked, I think it was a French king who once said that he would rather be a woodcutter than the king of England. Dealing with our national complexities, as an avid forester, I'm pleased to report that it is entirely possible to combine the two. <laughs> now, what king is he talking about? I want to know which one he's talking about. <laughs> What is he going on about? <laughs> he finished the speech saying, I would like if you would allow me to raise a toast to President and Madame Macron and to the French people, as well as to our entite cordiale. <laughs> Did you like my little French accent there? Don't raise chat out 10, girl. <laughs> a sustainable alliance. Whatever lies ahead, may it endure, faithful and constant for centuries to come. Oh. It just blows my mind that we're thinking about a king or a queen still being a monarch in centuries to come. Do you ever think that sometimes? I wonder if that will be a thing. Yeah, exactly. Be- I mean, I, I guess that's the reason why the institution is so fragile in its sense, because although it's a, a national institution, it can also crumble because it's only at the mercy of whether the people want it or not. You never know, do you? You never know. And we'll never know because we won't be here. So. <laughs> I know. Don't, Rachel. <laughs> So that was the state banquet. The following day, the king and the president planted a tree at the British residence in Paris. This tradition was started by Queen Elizabeth II, where she planted a tree in the gardens in 1957, 1972 and 2015. I love a Queen Elizabeth II tradition. Love it. And I do love how we always say plant a tree, but they don't exactly get on their hands and knees and start. They add the soil, don't they? Tap the tree. Good luck, tree and then that's it. Queen Camilla, joined by Madame Macron, visited the Bibliothèque Nationale de France where Le Prix de l'Entente de Tetra was announced. I did it! (laughs) My French lessons are coming back. (laughs) Now this prize will allow UK and French citizens to share literary experiences and celebrate the joy of reading. You could tell that Queen Camilla was in an element in this engagement and again she was joined by madame macron which i have to say is as elegant as lady penelope from the thunderbirds like she really (laughs) got it going on hasn't she i just loved it she was just like on constantly she has quite she has quite big hair though show yeah but i'm there for the hair bring (laughs) it on at least she made an effort could you imagine she turns up and hadn't brushed her hair i'd be like come on you're in the presence of a queen here (laughs) i think she did well queen camilla flew the flag for french designers wearing chanel and cartier and she spoke in french during this speech and she said Ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you will forgive my slightly rusty French, but it is now 60 years since I was a student at the Institut Britannique in Paris. It is a huge pleasure to be here with Madame Brigitte Macron today in this wonderful library to launch Le Prix de la Tiente de Claire. Yeah, and I was looking at this when this came out because I found out that Camilla attended finishing school in France and also in Switzerland in a finishing school called Montfortil. So 
there we go. There we go. I'm learning something new about Camilla every single day. <laughs> and she then concluded, Brigitte Macron and I share a deep love of literature and a passion to promote literacy. Through our respective work, we have seen firsthand the life-changing power of books to bring us joy, comfort, companionship, laughter and tears, opening our eyes to others' experiences and reminding us that we are not alone. Oh, That's lovely. It's such a lovely thing, actually, books, isn't it, Rach? Yeah, we spoke about it so many times, haven't we, that books yeah. can just transport you to another world. And it's so nice that they have this shared passion and they could go on this engagement together. But then, Shell, we saw the pairing of both the ladies playing a game of table tennis. <laughs> I loved it. And do you know what? On, the, on all of the, the papers, there was just... Camilla with the with a paddle and then in the background you can see the king like really getting into it and laughing oh but the funniest thing Rach there was a headline that said bat mom <laughs> it said oh, Batman Batman and I was just I laughed so much I was like oh my gosh they're working overtime in the royal <laughs> rotor to get these headlines out <laughs> oh gosh we also saw the king and queen visit Notre Dame, where they got to see the restoration taking place following the 2019 fire, which devastated the cathedral. And they actually went inside. I think when I went to France, it was really sad because it was all covered up and mm. I, I'd never actually been inside Notre Dame. So hopefully once it's restored, I can visit and yeah. it'll be as beautiful as it was before. I think it was important in this engagement that the king and queen met the firefighters that were there. Again, I think it's nice to be acknowledged and to say thanks for all their hard work because they worked mm. extremely hard on sorting that fire out. And oh gosh, it didn't feel like 2019. Do you know what I mean? It was just before the pandemic, wasn't it? It's gone so fast. It's really gone so fast. It yeah. really has. Shell, the king's made history again. Yep. Yep. Honestly. He's we saw His Majesty give a speech at the French Senate. He is the first British monarch to speak from the Senate chamber. Again, speaking in French, he said, I've been struck by the warmth of the welcome I've always received and by the immense good that can be accomplished when France and the United Kingdom work together. And said, this morning I read again the deeply touching words of condolence that your excellencies, presidents of the National Assembly and the Senate, wrote at that time, and this is when he's talking about when his mother, uh, Queen Elizabeth II, passed away. Yeah. You described Her Late Majesty as having embodied the dignity of our own democracy and that as she loved France, France loved her. I can hardly describe how much these words meant to me and to my entire family. I can only thank you and the people of France for the great kindness you showed to us and our people at a time of such grief. Uh, and after this speech, he received a standing ovation, which went yeah. on for quite a long time. And it wasn't until he actually sat down that it ended. And you know, the one thing that I loved about this, he got back to his seat, he turned around, he gave his speech notes to Major Johnny Thompson, who was behind him. And I was like, gosh, he's got a good gig, that Johnny, hasn't he? <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, he's loving life, isn't he? He's he really loving is. it. He's loving I, it. I like to secretly think that he goes on social media and like he searches his own hashtag. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> see what's come up. <laughs> Could you imagine? To, to see what royal fans have been simping over him that yeah. day. <laughs> Although is he Lieutenant Johnny Thompson now? If I mispronounce his title as he major, I can't remember. I know he's changed recently, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it is it may might be Lieutenant, yeah. Yeah. I know we've just skimmed over it, but this is historical, as you just mentioned, Rach. He said this speech all in French, which is unbelievable. And and we will talk about the crowds in a second, but we found out that Charles isn't a fluent French speaker. No. He speaks it, but he doesn't actually speak it in confidence, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so yeah, definitely. That's a big deal for him to get up there and speak in French. So after they said goodbye to Paris, they then boarded an electric tram and their next stop was Bordeaux. Yes. Crowds of people lined the tram route to wave their majesties on and to welcome them in their arrival in Bordeaux. They attended a culture festival in the main square to celebrate the UK's relationship with France. And finishing off, they visited a vineyard that dates back to 1365. Wow. you heard that correctly. <laughs> 1365 and tasted a wine produced in 2005, the same year that they married. Oh, that's sweet, isn't it? I know. Oh, I don't like wine. I like rosé and some white. I do not like red at all. Oh, Gross. Don't like red. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. Can I just say, and this was the same reaction in Paris that they had in Bordeaux. It was just incredible hearing the crowd shouting, Viva la roi, long live the king in the yeah. streets. Especially as on that day, and this was a video, I posted it on our Instagram of the king and the president walking the streets. This was the day that 231 years ago, the monarchy was abolished in France. And wow. I just thought that was something that I would never hear or see on the streets of Paris in France. And there they're shouting for a king that's not even a king of their country, but they're shouting for him. They took a walk from Elysee Palace to the British ambassador's French residence. And I'm not kidding. I saw the king's security and they were on like danger mode. Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> there's so many people and there's so much to look at. And the king with President Macron was so kind of in his element, just taking it like a step at a time and it was so wonderful the conversations he had with people as he went along bear in mind it was a very short probably one block you know it was a really mm. short walk but they were out in force i was not expecting this and it reminded me very much of when they went to hamburg recently again how they had like that rock star kind of welcome yeah. We forget, Rach, because obviously we live in the UK. We are privy to loads of royal engagements. There's got to be a royal somewhere in the vicinity <laughs> at some point in the year for you to go in and, and meet. But when they're in Europe in particular, there seems to be a, a tinge of the Beatles mania about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You always hear that the monarchy isn't popular, right? Mm. What's the point of the monarchy in this day and age? The huge crowds that turns out to see them just proves how much people are interested in them. Yeah. And yeah. like you said, we saw it in Germany, didn't we? And now France. The British royal family, they're known the world over. And they really are the ambassadors for the country. They are. And I think, to be honest, just as you mentioned about the president and uh, Madame Macron being with them, it was a real solidification of both countries because I think during the whole Brexit conversation with our previous Prime Minister Boris Johnson and the EU at the time, there has been a bit of a break in the relationship, shall we say. So this felt like a healing. It felt like a coming back together and saying, you know what? We are neighbours and this is important. Yeah, Our history is just as important that we are friends and our cultures are respected together and this is what this is about this is why these state visits are so important it isn't just for charles and camilla to go around and shake a few hands and play a bit of table tennis it's a lot deeper than that thank you so much to the french people to the president to everyone who was involved in welcoming the king and queen to your country because it was magnificent to watch as a royal community member yeah, and also another thing that I wanted to add was we got a little behind the scenes once the state visit was over. 
And this was really special because we don't really see this sort of interaction very often. The president showed the king a book of when Napoleon resigned his position. Did you oh, see wow. this? Did you not see this on social media? No, yeah. I didn't. And he was basically saying, oh, this is our shared history because it's, there's that famous Abba song, is it? Waterloo, I was defeated, yeah. you won the war. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And everything. And yeah, it was just incredible to see. And even the king was like, oh, wow. Like you could tell yeah. he was really interested in what he was being shown. Do you know one thing that I loved is just before they went to Notre Dame, the king was presented with a football shirt. Did you see this? Of Paris Saint-Germain. And it had Charles on the back with three. And I was like, Charles is never going to wear that. But I love the sentiment. Charles, what are you on about? He's probably wearing that to bed tonight. (laughs) (laughs) With his fingerless woolen gloves. (laughs) No, it's getting a bit colder. He needs to keep warm, don't he? (laughs) Whatever floats your boat, sir. Whatever floats your boat. Oh, oh community, what did you think of the state visit to France? Were you just as pleased with the reception for the King and Queen as Rachel and I were? I just absolutely loved covering this this week. I was kind of surprised at every little thing they did. Oh, what's coming next? What's coming next? Mm. They worked a lot over those three days as well. Oh, they, they really did. They're workhorses. And let me tell you, all community, we haven't even put everything in these notes today. Because there was just so much to see and so much to research. So go back on to their main socials and have a look at all of the brilliant engagements that they did. I forgot to add, Shell, when they was at the library, that was like my bell fantasy from the Mute and the Beast. Oh my gosh, how tall are those bookshelves? That was incredible. This is the dream library right here. (laughs) We spend hours there. Oh yes. So that's it for the Royal News. If that's all you want to hear, absolutely fine. We'll see you next week. But if you want to keep listening, we'll tell you a little bit about our weekend because we told you last week that we were going to the Chanel exhibitions. Yeah, so it was in the Victorian Albert Museum. And if you've ever been to London and you haven't visited, next time you visit, go on to that museum. There's so much in there. So eclectic, isn't it? And it's free as well. A lot of the museums in London are free. The only thing you do is paying for the exhibitions, right? If there is a special exhibition. We pay for this exhibition, which we're so happy we got tickets for because it's completely sold out now. You can only visit now if you're a member of the V&A. That's the only way you can get tickets. So we vlogged this. And if you are a VIP member of our royal community over on Kofi, you'll be getting a special behind the scenes look at our trip to the Chanel exhibitions. Let's talk a little bit about it, Rach. Give me your thoughts first, because you love Chanel, don't you? Yeah, so Chanel is my favourite designer. And I was really excited to see this because it focused just on Gabrielle Chanel. Uh, It's not anything after her life. So it was just her as a person and how she started her brand and just like the evolution of her brand through the years as well. When you first went into it, they had a timeline up, didn't they? Of Each year of like different things that had happened when she met this person when she met that person why that was important and yeah there's so many stories you might have heard about Chanel but you don't necessarily know a lot about her as a person so it's really interesting when you first go into that you see one of the first surviving shirts it's a silk shirt and I think it's from 1912 this is all on the vlog it was just incredible that this piece of clothing still exists today well, it's not just that. They had wrapping paper, didn't they? Yeah. With the Chanel brand on it. And it was incredible that somebody would have preserved that. She started as a milliner, didn't she? She did, And yeah. a lot of people might not know that, but she started as a milliner. And it wasn't until she had the financial backing of one of her lovers that then she made the transition 
And that's when she started to become the Chanel that we know today. So as we were going around, obviously they had all these dresses and as you do, you're like, oh, I'd wear that. I wouldn't wear that. Look at the shape of that. And we've both come to the conclusion that the 1920s would not suit us body shape wise, right? No. <laughs> that drop waist. No, we're going to say no to that. You need to, you need to, to be like Wallace Simpson straight up and down. Don't you? Yeah. I would look so frumpy in the 1920s yeah. with the body I've got. It just wouldn't suit me at all. As you're going around, you learn about the history about her lovers. She was in a relationship with the Duke of Westminster and that's where her Anglophile side comes from. She was very interested in the masculine look and she was one of the first designers really that put trousers on women. So you have the little black dress that's synonymous with uh, Chanel. There was a perfume section, wasn't there? Perfume section with a letter from the Queen, might we add? I just love this handwritten letter of the Queen. We'll read it out in the vlog. Yeah. To get over there and have a look. And there was a room that we went into and it was filled with evening dresses. And then we hit the mother load, Royal Community. <laughs> <laughs> we went into this room and it was top to ceiling, just full of Chanel suits. Yeah. And I was like, ah, this is yeah. like my dream right here. It was just spectacular. There was a coat. I said to Shell, bury me in this. <laughs> bury me in this. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, put that on my body right now. <laughs> like, yeah. I loved it. What else did we see? Oh, the 2.55 bag, the flat bag, the original, the two-tone shoes, costume jewellery. And then the last room you went into was a replica of the stairs that are still in the original Chanel store today in Paris in 31 Rue Cambon. And this is where she would sit and watch her fashion shows as they were taking part. And all the models would come down these stairs. This was our favourite room because you could actually see the dresses. The lighting was pretty bad, wasn't it, in all the other rooms? It was. And you know the type of lighting role community when you go to a museum, you try and take a picture and you just get the reflection in the glass because everything's behind a cabinet? It was like that all, all the way. And obviously, Chanel is synonymous with black and white. So every room was either black or white. And fair enough, that kind of worked as a design concept. But actually, as a visitor, it was quite hard to see some of the details because of the lighting. And I would have much preferred, maybe not everything, because we know some things need to be climate controlled, shall we say. But there was just a bit too much behind the, the cabinets for me. I needed it to be out on show a little bit more than that. But yeah, apart from yeah. that. Oh, my God. And <laughs> it was so funny. We always say now... Wherever we go, the royals, they follow us, right? Do we have like, a, like a sign on our head? I know. <laughs> so, so there funny. we are admiring these dresses. And it was so funny. There was these two suits and we were like, that's Rachel and that's Michelle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were so different, but they, they were obviously beautiful. It was pyjama evening wear, Rachel. Get it right. I mean, we were like... I mean, we were all yeah. over it. <laughs> we were there. We were there for it. So without us even speaking to anybody about royals... Someone comes up to us and she's looking, we're talking about this set of dress. I'm like, oh yeah, that's beautiful. And then this woman said, yeah, that, that would look good on Kate, wouldn't it? And we knew exactly who she was talking about. <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah. No, she said Diana. Diana, first, Diana. Yeah. Diana. She said, that, that would be a Diana dress. And we were like, yes. And she looked at us like, we know what Diana she means. And she was like, and it's suit Kate. And I went, yes. <laughs> 
podcast i'm a PhD. You, you actually said you were like oh we have a royal podcast she was like oh dear <laughs> i tell everyone royal community <laughs> someone on the bus who cares i just tell them <laughs> it was so funny but we were like honestly we can't even have a day off <laughs> yeah because we were having a keeping it with the winds day free we don't want to talk about the podcast we'd already scheduled our episode and yeah yeah we said like, let's just have a complete day off and keeping up the winds and then we saw the letter from the Queen and then that happened. <laughs> yes. We were like, can't escape it. And then Chanel's just shacking up with Tuga Westminster. <laughs> it was all going on. Oh. And then, then she knows Winston Churchill and she's a spy and she's a go-between between the French and Nijans and the British during the war. It's Honestly, all going on. It's got, there, there was a film made about her life because it's, it was tumultuous, her life, wasn't it? Yeah. There's actually, I was going to say this to you, Shell, a BBC documentary that I only watched last night that... I need to tell you about because oh. after going to that exhibition, you'll understand more about the history of it. Oh, definitely watch that. Absolutely. Yeah. Royal Community Chanel's not my style. And a lot of the designer outfits we saw went up to about 1955, right? Around about that time. And so I was just assuming that we might see a little bit more up-to-date stuff. So that's what I was looking for, but we didn't. We just saw the kind of like, how do I want to put it? Like the actual bare bones of Mm -hmm. Chanel. I walked around and I probably picked out 10 things that I would be like, oh, I would, I'd totally dig that. What was that sequin trouser suit I picked out? And you were like, oh, that's one, that's a really famous one. And I said, that's uh, Harry Styles. (laughs) Yes. And I was like, if anything, Harry Styles is wearing, I'm putting it on my body because I I just love it. (laughs) Yeah, but... There was certain things, and obviously this is your style, isn't it, Rach? So when we got into the room with the Chanel suits, I just took a seat. I was like, I need a breather. I'm just going to sit here and let Rachel bask in the glory of Chanel. And I'm just going to sit here and let my back have a rest because we've been standing on our feet for two hours from this exhibition. (laughs) (laughs) But um, it wasn't my favourite exhibition. I think Dior really did tip it for me even before that also the wedding dress exhibition so we've been really spoiled with having such a caliber of exhibitions come into london Mm. so it was amazing to be there and to see it we had a lovely day we went to a restaurant we went we did twenty thousand steps didn't we walking around london oh we always do when we get london yeah we all the the best part shell apart from the exhibition go on the dosan in harrods and the dog (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we walked around Harrods. We saw a dog in what what store were they in? Boodles, wasn't they? Boodles, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shell thought it was the store dog. I was like, is this the store dog? It was his I customers. Don't... Shell just starts playing with this random little dog. Oh my god, he was gorgeous. His name was. And Kaz. then the customers spend him, we don't know, like 30 grand on a bracelet or whatever. And he's, oh yeah, this is my dog. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, he was so cute. He had a little sweater on. And then we went to the best place in the whole wide world, the Harrods Bake Hall. Bakery. Bake Hall, wasn't it? Yeah. And I grabbed myself a docent Royal Community. We did speak <laughs> to you a bit earlier about recommendations. This is our recommendation. It is a must. Get yourself up at nine o'clock in the morning. Head to Harrods. Go to the bakery section. If you don't know where that is, ask anyone. They'll direct you to it. <laughs> because we always get lost. And then... Get yourself a dosant. It is a croissant with a donut inside. It's incredible. They're, well, at the moment, they're about four pounds. Whether they'll go up in price, I don't know. I also bought myself a pistachio pan au chocolat 
and an almond croissant, which I had with my husband the next day for breakfast. But highly recommend a dosan. It's such a um, a sugar hit, isn't it? Because it's just oh. like the first bite, and you're like, "Whoa, this is Whoa. sugary!" So we walked from Harrods to Leicester Square, didn't we? Leicester Square, yeah. yeah. And then we walked around Chinatown. We'd not been there for a while. Yeah, we, we went into a, we went into a Chinese supermarket, didn't we? Yeah, Chinese yeah. supermarket. Just have a look around. What else did we do? We went to Liberty. We did. Bear in mind, Royal Community. We then walked from Chinatown all the way up to Tottenham Court Road all the way up to Oxford Circus. And then we went down Carnaby Street and went to Liberty. Hence the reason why it was 20,000 steps. <laughs> we did some shopping, didn't we, in Regent Street? Yeah, we didn't buy anything. We did some no. window shopping. Okay, I'll change that. We did some window shopping in Regent Street. It didn't rain at all, did it, Rachel? It was such it a lovely day rain. out. It was such a nice day out because normally when we go to London, it's for royal things, isn't it? Yeah. So to go to London and not to do anything... Well, I mean, don't get wrong, Royal Community. We love it, but... Mm. It's nice to do something different as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we had these tickets booked since January or February, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, quite a long time. It felt like it came around really quickly, but actually we're so glad we got our tickets when we did because it, it is a sold out event now. We had a lovely time. So that's our little that's our little jaunt of London. Hope you yeah. enjoyed that little recap <laughs> of what we did. As Shell said, we have a vlog of it. So if you're part of our VIP Royal community over on Kofi, you'll be getting that soon. If you want to become part of the VIP Royal community, the link is in the show notes. We have a monthly Zoom call and we also have a private Facebook group. We'd love for you to join us there. And also, if you would love to find out more about our vlogs that we do in London and when we visit Royal Palaces, you can over on YouTube. Just search Keeping Up With The Windsors and follow us over on Instagram, Keeping Up With The Windsors pod. If you haven't got Instagram and you'd like to contact us, you can over on our email. That's keepingupthewindsorspod at gmail.com. Don't forget, we'd love it if you could leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps boost us in the algorithm and gets more people listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for everyone that has done that so far. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We will see you next week on Keeping Keeping Up up With The Windsors. Windsors.